الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاه والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ومن يعمل من الصالحات من ذكر او انثى وهو مؤمن فلنحيينه حياه طيبه قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم ذاق طعم الايمان من رضي بالله ربا وبالاسلام دينا وبمحمد رسولا او كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم مصطفىكم ما اكرام رزقنا الرز this one incident mentioned of some youngsters it was a very nice day one day and they decided to go for some outing so they came to this river bank and there was a person that was hiring out boat rides she so said we'll be coming out for an outing so this is a very nice day and what an excellent day for a boat ride So one old man he was owning this boat and he was giving these boat rides obviously at a charging a fee so they hired him says very well for the whole day no problem so now they got into this boat all young people all in high spirits and as the situation normally goes that when we are in high spirits we want to have fun and then we want to have fun at anyone's expense so now as the time moved on now they finish have the few jokes between them so now they decided now something new so something new they started now interfering with this old man so one youngster asked him that uh uncle what did you study did you study any maths geometry and algebra and trigonometry so he replied and said by i don't even know those words you are talking about i can't even pronounce them you asking me trigonometry and geometry i don't know what all these things are so he said well if you didn't learn geometry and trigonometry then you wasted half your life then another fellow said well did you study a uh, science and biology and all these things she says by all those things too i don't even know what you're talking about so he also gave him a similar says well i think half your life you wasted and somebody else asked him something similar so as now everybody is having a good laugh each time he saying i don't know all these things so all burst out laughing and made a joke of him any case this poor old man what does he do what can he say he kept quiet well if you say i have lost wasted half my life what can i do about it now so as now the time was moving on suddenly it became very very dark clouds came above and the sea became very rough and now things started looking a little dangerous so he turned to them and asked them that all these big big things you learned trigonometry and geometry whatever you trying to say 
I can't even pronounce these words carefully, correctly. But all those things one side tell me that now the sea is becoming very stormy, it's beginning to rain and we might get caught up in a heavy storm now. So tell me, did you learn how to swim? So these youngsters all said, look, that we didn't learn how to do. So he says, well, if you didn't learn how to swim, then now you've wasted your whole life. I didn't learn all these big, big words and big, big names and all these big, big sciences. So you say, I wasted half my life. But if you didn't learn how to swim, you have now wasted your whole life. Because if this boat capsizes in the storm, in the rough sea, then all your trigonometry and geometry and science and biology and all these things are not going to be able to help you at all. Then you can now come with all your fancy ideas and all your high-flying things. But now here in the middle of the ocean, you need to know how to swim. If you don't know how to swim, then you've wasted your whole life. Now this is one incident, Allah knows best whether it was something that happened in reality or whether it was something for the moral. But the moral is nevertheless what we have to take from it. It's just a parable for the sake of a lesson. And the lesson is very, very profound. The lesson is very deep. The lesson is that everything else in its place a person must know that which matters most to him. Everything else, to the extent of need, necessity, something that will have some benefit for him, within whatever limits they are, all in his place. But if he doesn't know what matters most to him, then he's in big trouble. Then he's in great danger. So likewise, in this dunya, this is the ocean we are in. And we have to cross this ocean to get to the other side, to the bank of Jannat, inshallah. And we have to learn how to swim through this ocean. Now in the cause of this journey across, we'll need to eat, we'll need to drink, we'll need to have some clothing, we'll need some shelter, we'll need other necessities of life, we might need some comforts. So all these things are in its place within the limits. But most important is to learn how to swim through this ocean of dunya and try and reach inshallah with the help of Allah Ta'ala to the bank of Jannat. So otherwise if a person has learned all the high flying things of dunya, somebody has got a lot of expertise, a lot of skill, somebody knows how to turn sand into gold, he can just keep turning sand into gold. That's a figure of speech, the way of expression, that he can really make money out of nothing. So he knows all these things very good, but for how long? One day, the storm of life is going to break. And one day, this boat of dunya for him is going to capsize. And he is going to have to now move on alone. He's going to have to move on alone and then all the things he acquired in dunya, the material possessions, his expertise, his skill, all his degrees, all his accolades that he got in dunya, the big big prizes he got for this and that and the other, and all his certificates, 
and all the other things that he acquired. If he acquired it in a halal way, something came in a way that was not transgressing the laws of deen, and he used it in a correct way, he used it to earn a halal living, to do what would please Allah Ta'ala, then Alhamdulillah that too was a ni'mad, that too was a great bounty of Allah Ta'ala. But still at the end of the day, what will count most is, what is going to take him across. And what will take him across in the Qur'an Sharif, in various ayat of the Qur'an Sharif, Allah Ta'ala gives us this, what prescription is required, gives us this prescription of how to get across, what is required. And the summary of it is, Iman and amal Saliha. Person who has Iman and amal Saliha, then he'll sail smoothly in dunya also. And inshallah he'll reach akhirat smoothly as well. And without Iman and amal Saliha, if there's no Iman, then he's doomed completely. Then he is in once he reaches the other end, there's only destruction. Once he reaches the other end, there's no hope now of any salvation. If he has left this dunya without iman, then everything is gone. And if with the fuzzle of Allah Ta'ala, he's got iman, so he's got the ticket to Jannah. But if there is an amal saliha, righteous actions, good deeds, then too, Allah forbid, he could go through a cleansing process before he becomes worthy of entry into Jannah. So what is this Iman and Amal Saliha all about? Many ayat of the Quran Sharif, Allah Ta'ala promises everything on Iman and Amal Saliha. وَمَنْ يَعْمَلْ مِنَ الصَّالِحَاتِ مِنْ ذَكَرٍ أَوْ أُنْثَى وَهُوَ مُؤْمِنٍ فَلَنُحْيِيَنَّهُ حَيَاةً طَيِّبًا that those who have Iman, those who do righteous actions, those who do righteous actions, whether male or female, Allah Ta'ala doesn't distinguish in the matter of getting closer to Allah Ta'ala, that who is male, then he will have a better opportunity, and somebody is female, she won't have, no, this is open and equal for all. In terms of dunya, Allah Ta'ala has separated the functions and roles. And this is what keeps the dunya also moving correctly. When this distinguished functions and roles are maintained. In the school, if everybody is the headmaster and principal, then the school is not going to function. In a business, if everybody is the boss, everybody is the employer, there's no employees, everybody is the director, there's no workers, that's not going to work also. Every sphere of society, every aspect of so social life, business life, whatever it is, everyone understands that there are distinguishing roles in there. Somebody plays one function, somebody plays another function. But the Western society, what the effort is, that in every home, everyone must be the father. And everyone must be the husband. And at the same time, Everyone must try and be the wife also. But now this, what is the end result of this? The end result of this is what we are seeing, what's unfolding in front of our eyes. A broken down society. 
Because everybody wants to be the father. The, everybody wants to be the husband. The husband is the husband. The wife too wants to be the husband. Everyone must do everything. So the husband, that was his duty to go and earn a living for his family. When Hazrat Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha got married to Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anha, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam identified the roles that Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anha is going to be responsible for everything and all the work and whatever else is required outside the home. All the duties and responsibilities pertaining to outside the home, this is going to be his responsibility. And all the duties and responsibilities inside the home, this will be the responsibility of Hazrat Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha. Nabi Sallallahu identified these roles. And this was the standard by which things went. And as long as this standard was maintained, then there was a very, very functional society. There was somebody to bring the children up. There was somebody to see to their needs. And to see to more than anything else, the need of their tarbiyat and proper nurturing and upbringing. The need, their emotional needs. But when this system was abandoned, then what happened? Children started receiving commercial upbringing. Because everybody now is working, so now the child has to be brought up somewhere, so the child is given commercial upbringing. And that brings up a commercialized child. So this society functions on the way and will function correctly, will function successfully on the way that Nabi Islam has taught us. That's how it will bring success to the individual, to the family, to the society at large, and to the entire nation and ummah. And when that pattern and way of life of Rasulullah is abandoned, then that can only bring difficulties and hardship and destruction. So in any case, this is what Allah Ta'ala has hinged everything on, on Iman and amal saliha But now the question is, what is Iman and amal saliha Many ayat of the Qur'an Sharif, Iman and amal saliha repeatedly. Iman, we all know, what is Iman? Belief in Allah Ta'ala and believing in everything that Allah Ta'ala has given us. Believing in Allah Ta'ala's book, the Qur'an Sharif, believing in the messengers, all the prophets of Allah Ta'ala and the last and final prophet being Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, believing in the angels, believing in the day of Qiyamah, in life after death, in predestination, taqdeer, and all the other fundamentals of deen, having what's aqaid and beliefs correct, this is all iman. So iman be I way of, and together with that is this amal saliha amal saliha is something that we generally have our own understanding of and a confined understanding, limited understanding. Certain things we select and regard this to be it all. Now somebody selects maybe just certain aspects of deen. MashaAllah the person is very punctual with the salah, alhamdulillah, that is a fundamental aspect of deen. There is no a person deen without salah is like a person without his head. So that's how important salah is in deen. 
And without salah, nobody can be anywhere close to Allah Ta'ala. So salah is very important. Somebody took on salah and regarded it but as the whole of deen. Now mashallah is very punctual with the salah, but there are other factors of life, other aspects of deen, which a person is neglecting. Somebody mashallah is very generous, excellent, this is a great quality, but the person is not conscious about his salah. Somebody is very, very concerned about the welfare of people all the time, ready to help anybody at any time of the day and night. Mashallah, what a wonderful thing. Excellent. But, then there are other aspects of deen also, there is not everything in deen. So, Iman and Amal Saliha, Amal Saliha, the crux of this is, what can be termed as, Dawam Ta'at. Continuously being in the obedience of Allah Ta'ala. Continuously being in the obedience of Allah Ta'ala. And this requires two things. On the one side it requires fulfilling the obligations and the commands of Allah Ta'ala. It's time for Salah, he's fulfilling his Salah. It's a month of Ramadan, he's fasting. His Zakat is compulsory upon him, then the time has come to pay his Zakat, he's fulfilling that. If Hajj is first upon him, he's completing that. He has obligations towards his parents, he's taking care of that. Parents are aged and old, he's not abandoning them somewhere. He's respecting them, he's showing kindness to them, he's being compassionate towards them. In the Quran Sharif, the amount of emphasis that has come on the rights of parents, few other aspects have got so much of emphasis. Quran Sharif Allah Ta'ala in one place says that وَإِن جَاهَدَاكَ عَلَىٰ أَن تُشْرِكَ بِمَا لَيْسَ لَكَ بِهِ عِلْمٌ Can we imagine the scene that the Quran Sharif is depicting? Allah Ta'ala says that supposing somebody's parents are mushrikeen, they are idol worshippers, they have no iman. So now the son, the child has alhamdulillah accepted iman, Allah Ta'ala opened his heart out. Allah Ta'ala blessed him with this greatest wealth. So now, mashallah, he is coming to Iman. But now that parent is not happy about this. That parent is very, very insistent that no, you must give up this Iman. And you must also commit shirk. So Quran Shari starts off with this. وَإِن جَاهَدَاكَ عَلَىٰ أَن تُشْرِكَ بِمَا لَيْسَ لَكَ بِهِ عِلْمٌ If you are now being forced, a person is being forced by his parents themselves, that give up this iman and commit shirk. So now in that fala tuti'uhuma, the Quran Sharif is very very clear about it. You cannot obey that, don't obey that. But even in not obeying that, but wasahibuhuma fit dunya ma'rufa. But deal kindly with them in this dunya. That even in rejecting that insistence to commit shirk. That too you will do in such a way that you don't compromise their respect. Subhanallah, can we imagine? That in rejecting that insistence of committing shirk, that too will be done in a way that does not compromise respect. And even those parents also, the Quran Sharif, the ayat of the Quran Sharif applies even to such parents also, 
honesty and justice of fairness of being upright in a person's business dealings that too is a fundamental part of deen and such an important part of deen that a person who is just and honest and upright in his business then as long as he's fulfilling all the other aspects of deen as well and he's doing this also this will give him such a great honor on the day of qiyamah that Nabi Salaam says that trader, that business person, businessman who is honest and upright, he'll be raised on the day of Qiyamah, Ma'an Nabiyin, Siddiqeen, with the Ambiya Ali Musalatuasalam. Can we imagine? What is being mentioned? That a person, mashallah, is fulfilling all the other aspects of deen, but because one of the biggest tests is in the light of business, the biggest test of Iman, the biggest test of Amal is in the business world generally when a person is tempted in so many ways is tempted in so many ways and he still does not give in to that wrong temptation then one is in dunya also Allah Ta'ala opens out to him barkat initially the challenge comes but when a person is steadfast Allah Ta'ala opens out to him even in dunya sometimes it will happen very dramatically also and sometimes it may not be so dramatic, a person won't be able to link it, but it comes. Sometimes it happens very dramatically. When a person adopts taqwa, and he crushes that haram temptation. One person by the name of Qazi Abu Bakr bin Muhammad, around the 5th century, he had come for hajj. So he was in Makkah Mukarramah, and while walking, he one day while walking, he sees something lying on the side, which looked little, like somebody has dropped something. So he picked it up to see what's this. So when he opened it, it was a bag, that material bag. And when he opened it, inside was a pearl necklace. Priceless pearl necklace. So he realized this is somebody's property which they have dropped and they didn't even realize it. And it's a very valuable thing. So he took it, went and put it away into his, wherever he was staying, in the room that he was staying in. And kept it there. Any case, the same day or one, two days later, he hears somebody announcing, walking up and down, announcing that, look, I've lost a bag. And if anybody returns it to me, then there's 500 dinars, 500 gold coins as a reward. Can we imagine what the price of that necklace must have been? That the person is ready to give 500 dinars as the reward for returning that bag. 500 gold coins. In our understanding, 500 Kruger rands. So, any case, when he heard this person announcing, so he called him aside. He asked him, What did you lose? So he said, I lost one material bag. What was inside it? So he says, Well, there was a necklace inside it. Very well. So he took him along, brought him to his room, and asked the description, details, whatever. Then he brought it out, and whatever description this person had given, Everything matched whatever was there. The bag and whatever else was inside, everything all matched the description. 
He was convinced, yes, this is the person, he is the owner. So he handed that bag to him. He opened it, showed him, everything is here. He said, yes, everything is here. He handed the bag to him. So when he handed the bag to him, so this person took out that pouch with that 500 dinars, 500 gold coins. And he is now giving this person the 500 gold coins. So he said, look, I haven't done this. I didn't take this and look after it and now return it to you for this worldly material gain. I did this for Allah Ta'ala. So I will not take any reward in return. The person said, but I am giving you from my side. I myself have announced this. You didn't ask for it. I am giving it. He said, but I didn't do this for worldly gain. I did this so that Allah Ta'ala becomes pleased with me. As much as this person would insist, he blankly refused. Any case, eventually this person finally left. The person who returned that back to him didn't accept that money. So he took the money also and carried on. What does he do now? Time passed. Everybody returned to their road. Hajj was over. Everybody is going back home. This person too, he was a Qari. He was a person who was learned in the Quran Sharif. He too was returning home. And the ship in which he was now sailing, it happened that a storm broke out and that ship sunk. And many people lost their lives. And some people just held on to whatever they could. He held on to some little piece of driftwood and drifted onto the, on the ocean for a day, two days, until somehow he got washed onto some island. And he got washed onto this island. So it was an inhabited place. He, in the distance, could see some things there, some homes, whatever. So he walked through the jungle, bush, whatever, and he got his way out and came out into a place where there was a masjid. So in any case, somehow he got there, so he went away to the masjid. People came, they saw this person, what happened, how you came, where you came from, he explained the situation. Now he's a stranger to this place, where does he go, what does he do, he's in an island. And once in a while there would be some ship passing here. So in any case, now that's where he had to be. So he started, now just living in that masjid. So some days later the people realized that, mashallah, this person is a Qari, he can decide Quran Sharif very well. So, they started bringing the children to him. Please teach our children Quran Sharif. So he started teaching the children Quran Sharif. Now that's, he had no else to go to. So he started teaching Quran Sharif. After a while, mashallah, they saw this person, he's leading the salah for them. He's teaching Quran Sharif to the children. And what a wonderful person this person is. Now they all know that he is a mehman here, he is a guest. Today is here, Allah knows best tomorrow, when sometime he might just dis- return, he might go away. Because he's just here till he gets a chance to go back. Some means get made to go back. So he said, well somehow we have to anchor him here now, tie him down. So how do we tie him down? Say, well very easy, get him married here. Get him married here, tie him here. So they came to him and they put forward this proposal. Look, we want to get you married to one girl that is here. She is an orphan. From an, she was orphaned. And, but she has very good character, very learned, and whatever else they wanted to tell him. So he first excused himself that, look, I want to get back home. I have my family there. He said, but you don't know when that will happen. This is such a remote island. Once in a blue moon, you've got to catch on a small boat from here and link up with some ship. Allah knows best when that will happen. They somehow convinced him to get married. So finally he accepted. So now he accepted and the nikah took place. And when the nikah took place, so after everything was done, 
now his wife was brought to him. So in the company of some other family members, so his wife was brought to him. Now this is the first meeting with his wife. And when he sees her, he starts staring at some jewelry she's wearing. So now everybody is observing whoever was there, the family people. And now some started expressing their amazement, their disappointment. That, what's the problem with you? This is the first meeting with your wife. You're not even looking at her. Allah has blessed her with so much of beauty also. You're only interested in the jewelry she's wearing. Have you got no appreciation for the person? You're only worried about the wealth of dunya? So, he expressed amazement on this. He said, Allah Akbar, Subhanallah, what can I say? There's a long story behind what I'm seeing. See, long story behind what you see. What, what do you mean? What is all this? So he says, look, this is a very long story, but the crux of it is that in Makkah Mukarramah, I was once walking there and I found one bag and there was this necklace, this pearl necklace there, and very valuable, priceless. And then he gave the whole incident, what happened? And he says that that person offered me 500 gold coins and I refused that also. And I am so convinced, I am 100% convinced that that necklace which I saw there, which was unique, which was priceless, that's the very same necklace that this girl who I married to now is wearing. And I'm amazed at this. This is what is now really caught my eye and this is what I am, my mind is spinning that where was that necklace? Where have I landed by chance on an island? And the person I get married to, my wife is now wearing this necklace. When he said this, these people that were standing around, they shouted out, Allahu Akbar in amazement. And they are looking more amazed than him. So he says, but what is the problem? How come, what's, what's surprising you so much? So they told him the other half of the story. They said to him, that the person who, there was one person living on this island, very pious person, he went for Hajj. Actually this person had been traveling at some other time, later time, not on the return from Hajj, because this happened many years later. So any case, he had gone for Hajj, and when he returned from Hajj, he used to keep repeating one story. And he used to keep repeating the story of the necklace that he lost, and somebody who found it, and then returned it to him, and that person refused to even accept the reward. And he would keep saying, that if I only knew who this person was, because after that he went his way, I went my way. We had no contact, we didn't even ask each other the details. If only I knew who that person was, then I only got one daughter, I would have got my daughter married to him. He says, today the person you're getting married to, that person passed away, this is his daughter. And she was the only child, and she inherited this necklace from him. And this is the necklace that she's wearing which he lost in Makkah Mukarramah and which you found and returned. Now, at that time, the temptation must have been very great. This priceless string of pearls, this, what, what I can do with this thing, I'll sell it off and I'll do this and that and the other and all the various thoughts that shaitan can, will whisper in a person's mind and heart at that time. But he did not give in to those temptations. He did not allow any of that to distract him. He suppressed those temptations. Now this happened in a very dramatic way. That that which he gave up in a haram way, he didn't touch it in a haram way. Then the incident goes further, 
after he stayed on that island for some time, there were two children that were born to him. From this marriage they were born. And then some time later, his wife passed away. So now he and his two sons became the owners of this property of hers. In which, in which was this necklace also. And Allah Ta'ala's nizam and system, as time passed, one son passed away, then the other son passed away. So now he inherited all their property. And he became the sole owner of all this. Now this which he did not touch in a haram way, Allah Ta'ala gave it to him back in this way. And exactly the same thing, the same priceless thing. Sometimes it will come in this very very dramatic way also. And sometimes it may not be so dramatic in the sense that a person can identify that this I sacrificed for Allah Ta'ala, in return this came. But it comes. It comes in the form of barakat. It comes in the form of that contentment and peace and serenity in the heart. In this ayat of the Quran Sharif that we recited, Allah Ta'ala says, Whoever does righteous actions, male or female, with iman, he has iman, then Allah Ta'ala says, will give him a good life. What is the meaning of a good life? A good life is really inside the heart. It's not outside in the hands. It's not in the stomach. That what a person has eaten, or what a person is holding, how much of wealth is holding, is not what kind of bed he's sleeping on. Otherwise, many a person sleeping on the best bed, the best bed has come in a halal way, alhamdulillah, that's na'mat also. But that in itself is not everything. It's not anything in fact, in itself. If there is no barakat in it. And the barakat comes from what? It comes from the obedience to Allah Ta'ala. So otherwise, there's many a person who due to disobedience of Allah Ta'ala, whatever other test trial may be, but the person is in the best of comforts and luxuries, but the person says, I've got no life. And there's another person in the most simple and basic things, Alhamdulillah, he's content, he's at peace, he's happy, he's got no situation in his heart and mind that he says that I hope I wasn't living. So Allah Ta'ala has promised this, فَلَنُحْيَنَّهُ حَيَاتًا طَيِّبًا on Iman and Amal Salihah. And this refers to Dawame Ta'at, continuous obedience of Allah Ta'ala. So whether it is Ibadat, it is a person's Mu'amalat, his monetary dealings, his transactions, his business, whether it is his social life, how he deals with his parents, how he deals with his wife, how he deals with his children, how he deals with his neighbors, how he deals with people in society. All this is part of deen. His akhlaq. What kind of character does he have? Does he have humility? Is he humble or is he proud? Does he have compassion and kindness? Does he have honesty and uprightness? Is he just and fair? Is he somebody has this akhlaq that Nabi Islam had? So all this is part of deen. And when a person has got all this, now he's got amal saliha. And together with that, amal saliha also includes staying away from what Allah Ta'ala has forbidden. So often explain it in this way that this light that comes on. 
it has to have both wires in it. The positive current and the, the positive wire and the negative wire. And when both are in place, then the light comes on. So the positive ibadat is what is to be done. A person's salah, his zakat, his fasting, his hajj, his kindness, his compassion, his generosity, helping others, and all the other various good amal, striving for the cause of deen, making the effort of deen, teaching somebody some good. All these things are part of the positive ibadat. But then what is termed as, for our understanding, the negative wire. The other side of the ibadat, staying away from haram. And this is a very, very great ibadat. In fact, greater than every nafil ibadat. Is staying away from haram. Ittaqil maharim takun a'bad nas Nabi Islam says, stay away from haram, you'll become the greatest worshipper. And when a person will keep crushing this nafs, keep annihilating this nafs, keep crushing that haram desires, the temptations that take him towards haram, keep crushing it. The more he crushes this, the more that nur of iman will come in his heart. Now he's got both ibadats, doing what he's supposed to do, and staying away from what he's supposed to refrain from. Now the light of the nur of iman will come on. Now that nur of iman will brighten his heart, and it will brighten his life. And in, even in the challenges of life too, his heart will still be at peace. His body might be in pain, because he's insan, he's human being. So he'll also feel hunger, he'll feel thirst. If he's sick, he'll feel the pain of that sickness. But his heart will be with Allah Ta'ala. And nothing will be able to deter him from that iman. Anything can come in his way. Hazrat Bilal Ta'ala is being dragged on the hot sands of Makkah Mukarramah. Can you imagine, person can't put his foot on that sand. Person when he's in the middle of the day and it's in the summers of Hijaz, Makkah Mukarramah and so on. The heat is 45, 50 degrees sometimes. Person just merely one second puts his foot on that hot sand or that hot ground that is enough to burn him. Can you imagine a person lying flat and his back is bare and he's being dragged. Subhanallah, can we imagine? And that too did not deter him from his iman. What was this being done to him for? Just so that he must give up iman. But with all that his heart was at peace. His body was in pain. But his heart was still saying, Ahad. I will only believe in one Allah. I will not give up this iman for anything. Now this is that he tasted the sweetness of iman. The sweetness of iman he tasted in one hadith Nabi Islam says, amal iman. That person has tasted the sweetness of iman. Who? Man radiya billahi rabba. Who is totally content with Allah Ta'ala being his Rabb. He is not searching for anything else. His heart is totally focused with Allah Ta'ala. The explanation of this is, ayyakuna sabiran ala balaihi. That he is totally patient on whatever test comes from Allah Ta'ala's side. Whatever challenges come, he is totally patient on that. Shakiran ala na'ma'ihi. Very grateful to Allah Ta'ala for all his bounties and favors. How many bounties? How many favors? How many blessings? We cannot count. 
Allah Ta'ala says, وَإِن تَعُدُّوا نِعْمَةَ اللَّهِ لَا تُحْسُهَا One person came to one Buzrug, one pious man, and he started complaining about all his problems and difficulties, and I'm down and out, and I got nothing. And carried on saying, I got nothing. Buzrug said, okay, fine, you do this. Give me your one eye, and I'll give you 100,000. He says, give you my one eye for 100,000. I'm not prepared to give you that eye for anything. How can I give you my eye away? So, okay, give me your one hand for 100,000. And give me your one leg for 100,000. Carry it on like this. So the person said, no, I can't do this. I can't part with these things. So he says, you think you got nothing. I only counted a few limbs. And this already is adding up to millions. And that too can't really pay the price of it. In one hadith, it is mentioned, lengthy incident, but a person who worshipped Allah Ta'ala for 500 years in an island without any riyah, 500 years and he passed away in sajda on the day of qiyamah he'll be raised and Allah Ta'ala will say to the angels take this person to jannah through my grace and mercy so he'll be amazed Ya Allah, 500 years of ibadat and I'm being now sent to jannah through your grace and mercy Alhamdulillah, but what about my ibadat? is my ibadat just all fizzled into thin air? So Allah Ta'ala will say to the angels, take him to Jannah through my grace and mercy. Again he'll express that, but what happened to my ibadat? So when this will happen the third time, Allah Ta'ala will say to the angels, okay, let's do the accounting. All the favors we gave him, let's just take one favor first, the favor of the eye. Now just count now the favor of the eye we gave him, how much ibadat is required to pay for the favor of this eye. So the angels will do the accounting. And they'll say what is required to pay for the favors of the eye is 500 years of ibadat. So 500 years of ibadat just got balanced out with just the ni'mat of the eye. That too 500 years of accepted ibadat. How many years of life we have? And in that years of life we have 30, 40, 50, 70, 80, 100 at the most. How many years of ibadat have we made? And how much of that ibadat can we even be expecting that it will be accepted because of how correct it was? All we can just hope that Allah Ta'ala does not take us to account for it. And one ni'mat only, the eye, to pay for this we need 500 years of ibadat. Then think about the other side of it, what, what we have used this eye for. How many things we have used this eye for that which Allah Ta'ala is displeased with. Allah Ta'ala's ni'mat, Allah Ta'ala's bounty and favor, Allah Ta'ala's gift. Nobody could pay for this ayah. Nobody could demand it. Because nobody's right. Allah Ta'ala out of His grace gave it. And what would we used it for? What a terrible injustice. Allah Ta'ala blessed us with this eye out of His grace and mercy. And now a person uses it for all that Allah Ta'ala has forbidden. Casting glances, haram glances around, looking at haram on his phone, looking at other haram things. So what a terrible ingratitude. How ungrateful to Allah Ta'ala for this great bounty and gift. So our, the bounties Allah Ta'ala has blessed us with, innumerable. So a person who is truly man radiya billahi rabba, who is truly, truly content with Allah Ta'ala being his rabb, he will be patient on whatever challenges come. He will be very grateful for whatever Allah Ta'ala has blessed him. And the real gratitude is to be thankful, the real thankfulness is that a person uses the gifts of Allah Ta'ala in the obedience of Allah Ta'ala.
This is the real gratitude. And وَأَيَّكُونَ رَادِيًا بِقَدْرِهِ وَقَضَائِهِ That the person is totally happy with whatever Allah Ta'ala has blessed him with. Whatever Allah Ta'ala has decreed for him, he is totally content with that. He is not demanding anything from Allah Ta'ala. Yes, he'll make dua for his means, but he's got no complaint against Allah Ta'ala. That why didn't I get this, and why didn't I get that, or why is my condition like this, or why... Whatever Allah Ta'ala has blessed him with, he's content on that. Whatever Allah Ta'ala has held back from him, that too is happy upon. What Allah Ta'ala has given him, that too is happy on. So the person who is totally content with Allah Ta'ala being his Rabb, and with Islam being his way of, his deen, his way of life, that in everything that he does in life, he is happy with the way of deen, with the way of Islam. He is not looking outside for anything. He wants to conduct his nikah, his marriage, he is looking at the way of Islam. He wants to conduct his business, what is the way Islam has taught? So his nikah, he won't do anything haram. He won't be now chatting beforehand. He won't be going about things in a way that now earns the displeasure of Allah Ta'ala. He'll be doing things according to the command of Allah Ta'ala. He's conducting his business, he won't be involving himself in interest. He won't be deceiving anybody. He won't be harming anyone. He's dealing with his family, he'll deal with them with kindness and compassion. So all these things. And he will be happy, the person who is happy with Islam being his way of life and with Muhammad being his Nabi, being his Rasul, being his guide. And what this refers to is that the person is totally, he's taken the sunnah of Nabi and the way of Rasulullah into his life entirely. And after all, why not? When nobody has loved us more than Allah and his Rasul. In one hadith, Nabi says to the Sahaba Ikram that Mata alqa ahibbai, Mata alqa ahbabi, when will I meet my beloved ones? So the Sahaba asked that, Are we not your beloved ones? So Nabi said, Antum ashabi, you are my Sahaba. It's like a person, he's saying, I really, and I'm really yearning to meet my friend. So his son comes and asks that, am I not your friend? He says, you are my son. That's beyond friendship now. He's gone many steps beyond that. So that includes, you. obviously the son is beloved. So likewise, when they ask, are we not your beloved ones? You are my sahaba. What can I say about the love for you? This goes without question. You are beloved. You are beyond just being beloved. You are my companions also. You are my very, very dear ones. But I am talking about somebody beyond, somebody else. I am talking about somebody apart from you. وَلَكِنْ أَحِبَّائِي قَوْمٌ لَمْ يَرَوْنِي وَآمَنُوا بِي My beloved ones, who I am referring to, are people who never saw me. They will come in time. They hadn't seen me, but they brought iman on me. أَنَا إِلَيْهِمْ بِالْأَشْوَاقِ Subhanallah. Can we imagine? Nabi Islam will be saying, I am yearning to meet them. I am yearning to meet them. That when will the time come when I will meet these people who never saw me, but they brought iman on me. This includes every mu'min on the face of this earth. 
Allah's Nabi is so eager to meet his ummatis. But is the ummati going to meet Nabi in a way that will keep this happiness? Otherwise, Allah forbid on the day of Qiyamah, this is mentioned also in a hadith, that there will be some people that will come on the day of Qiyamah. And the angels will come and drive them away. Suhqan. They will drive them away. Get away from here. So Nabi Islam will say, these are my ummatis. Because he will recognize his ummatis. So the angels will say, you don't know how they turn their backs on your deen after you. That later on they came in life, the deen you left, which was preserved by the Sahaba Ikram and then passed on. But then time came and these people turned their backs on your deen. Nabi Islam will be so disturbed, he too will then say, suhkan, suhkan. You rather go away from here. Please go away. If Nabi Islam says somebody to somebody on that day, you go away, who can save him? So this is now the time to in our life that we have. We don't know when the storm will break and our life will come to an end. We have to swim across. We have to get to the bank of Jannah safely. The way to get there is this Iman and Amal Saliha, which includes this complete submission to Allah Ta'ala in every aspect of life. And taking this way of Islam totally, developing the love of Allah Ta'ala in our hearts. Because this love is a driving force. When this love comes, then a person will sacrifice anything for that which is most beloved. The famous incident of Mahmud and Iyaz, that King Mahmud, he called all his ministers and he brought out that priceless pearl from his treasury. And he said to each one, break this pearl, break this gem. So they all got shocked, they knew the value of it, there's no replacement for this. And each one, he expressed his inability to do this. How can I do this? This priceless gem, priceless pearl, is nothing to compare with it in your whole kingdom. How can I break this? Actually the king was trying to show to them what is the maqam and the position of Ayaz who was his favorite. So when everybody refused, now the king called Ayaz who was initially a slave, but he was very favorite of the king. So the king told him, break this. So as soon as he was given this instruction, break it, without any hesitation, he broke it. He threw it with force and smashed it to pieces. So everybody was totally dumbfounded, totally shocked. How could you ever do this? This priceless pearl, you took it and broke it? So Ayaz addressed them and he said, Oh, honorable people, that gohar behtar az amre sheh behtar baqimad az gohar that what is more valuable the thing which is more valuable which is it is it the command of the king or the king's pearl all of you broke the king's command you didn't break the pearl you broke his command he told you break it you refused to do so you broke his command you didn't break the pearl I broke the pearl, I didn't break his command. So who, who did the better thing? And this was that loyalty of Ayaz which the king wanted to display. That the rest were becoming jealous over him. So he wanted to show that this is the real thing. This loyalty. And this love. So when a person has the true love of Allah Ta'ala in his heart, then he'll sacrifice anything for Allah Ta'ala. Because Allah Ta'ala is the most beloved to him. So this comes by the constant remembrance of Allah wa ta'ala 
the zikr of Allah Taala by being in the company of those who are the lovers of Allah Taala by means of ibadat by means of staying away from sin trampling the nafs breaking that heart breaking that desire when it is taking one towards sin but not giving in to that desire all this combines to create this love of Allah Taala sacrificing for the cause of deen sacrificing one's time one's health one's wealth one's effort for Allah tabarak wa ta'ala for the cause of Allah tabarak wa ta'ala for the deen of Allah ta'ala then all this combined in time starts developing this love of Allah ta'ala and when this love of Allah ta'ala comes into the heart of a person now he's ready to sacrifice anything for Allah ta'ala so this is what we have to be striving for when we will make this effort to bring this love of Allah ta'ala in our hearts then the deen of Allah ta'ala will become most beloved to us then the sunnah of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi become most beloved to us nabi sallallahu alaihi become most beloved to us and his way of life and sunnah will become most beloved and then the sailing across this ocean of dunya will become very easy so for this we have to be making this effort going out in the path of allah taala spending time to come in the environments of deen taking part in the work of deen that takes place in our masjids the talim that takes place after isha salah whatever time the gush that takes place in our masjid going out in the path of allah taala for whatever period of time and together with that spending time in the company of the ahlullah of the pious servants of allah taala learning the love of allah taala from them which will drive us towards the obedience of allah taala billah tabarak wa taala give me and all of us the tawfiq wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin subhanahu as that we should just make some zikr for a few minutes and then make dua inshallah a few minutes we'll make some zikr and then we'll do inshallah In the hadith sharif it is mentioned that a person recites la ilaha illallah 100 times daily allah taala will cause his face to shine like the 14th moon on the day of qiyamah what this refers to is that inshallah with the daily barakat of the daily recitation of la ilaha illallah allah taala will make this a means of him gaining the tawfiq and the ability to do righteous deeds and stay away from sin inshallah this will become the means of this great honor on the day of qiyamah so we should try inshallah daily to recite this 100 times today we will just recite short while for the encouragement but we should try to do this daily inshallah when saying la ilaha what to bring to mind at that time is that all the ghayrullah all the evil all the filth all the things that distract one from allah taala that become obstacles to allah taala to getting to allah taala all that one has taken and thrown out of his heart everything has been extracted from the heart all the things that are haram all the sinful things all the illicit things everything has been taken and thrown out and illallah there is this noor that is coming from above which is the love of allah taala which is filling the heart and brightening the heart this is durud sharif la ilaha illallah muhammadur rasulullah sallallahu tabaraka wa taala alayhi wa ala alihi wa ashabihi وأصحابه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا يا رب صل وسلم دائما ابدا على حبيبك خير الخلق كلهم جزا الله عنا نبينا محمدا صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو اهله
محمد الرسول اللہ صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لا نحصي ثناء عليك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك جزا الله عنا نبينا محمدا صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهل ربنا ولمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين لا إله إلا الله الحليم الكريم سبحان الله رب العرش العظيم الحمد لله رب العالمين نسألك موجبات رحمتك وعزائم مغفرتك والغنيمة من كل بر والسلامة من كل إثم اللهم لا تدع لنا ذنبا إلا غفرته ولا هما إلا فرجته ولا حاجة هي لك رضا إلا قضيتها ويسرتها يا أرحم الراحمين إله العالمين يا الله most merciful Allah most gracious most kind most loving Allah Ya Allah forgive us Ya Allah Ya Allah indeed we are most sinful Ya Allah Ya Allah we are acknowledging all our sins Ya Allah Ya Allah but you are most forgiving Ya Allah Ya Allah you love forgiving Ya Allah Ya Allah forgive all our major and minor sins Ya Allah Forgive the sins of the day and night Ya Allah Ya Allah forgive the sins we did deliberately and mistakenly Ya Allah Ya Allah forgive our families Ya Allah Forgive our relatives and friends Ya Allah Ya Allah forgive the entire ummah of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Ya Allah show your maghfirat on the ummah Ya Allah Ya Allah show your rahmat on the ummah Ya Allah Ya Allah show your blessings of the ummah ya allah allah remove the suffering of the ummah ya allah allah remove the suffering of the ummah ya allah remove the hardships of the ummah ya allah allah remove the oppression from the ummah ya allah allah we acknowledge whatever is happening is due to our ill deeds ya allah this is all due to our sins ya allah allah you forgive us ya allah give us a tawfiq of those amal that bring down your rahmat ya allah allah save us from those amal that bring down your azab ya allah ilahul alamin ya allah allah you save us from all the fitna and fasad ya allah allah save us from all the temptations of nafs and shaitan ya allah Ilahul Alamin, keep us steadfast on deen, Ya Allah. Allah, keep us on sirat-e-mustaqeem, Ya Allah. Allah, take us on sirat-e-mustaqeem, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alamin, Ya Allah, save us from all the traps of nafs and shaitan, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alamin, Ya Allah, you guide us to that which pleases you, Ya Allah. Every moment of our life, let us live in your pleasure, Ya Allah. Allah, save us from even a single moment of your displeasure, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alamin, Ya Allah, you become ours and make us yours, Ya Allah. Allah, you become ours and make us yours, Ya Allah. Allah, we have you, we have everything, Ya Allah. We don't have you, we have nothing, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alamin, Ya Allah, all those are sick, give them shifai kamila, ajila, mustamirra, daima. Allah, remove every trace of the illness, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alamin, Ya Allah, those who are in any difficulties and hardships, remove it, Ya Allah. Allah, those who are in financial problems, remove their problems with ease, Ya Allah. Allah, give them barakat in the risk, Ya Allah. Grant one and all barakat in the risk, Ya Allah. Grant us halal and tayyib risk, Ya Allah. Allah, save us from every drop and every grain of haram, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alamin, Ya Allah. Allah, all those are in anxieties, depression, worries, Ya Allah. Allah, remove it with afiyat and place it with happiness, Ya Allah, Ilahul Alamin, Ya Allah, Allah, all those that have passed away, fill their covers with noor, Ya Allah, Ya Allah, from our families throughout the Ummah, Ya Allah, make their complete maghfirat, Ya Allah, Ya Allah, grant them the high stages in the Akhirat, Ya Allah, Ya Allah, at the time of our death, take us with the kalima, La ilaha illallah, Muhammadur Rasulullah, Ya Allah, take us on iman kamil, Ya Allah, take us on tawbat and nasuh, Ya Allah, Ya Allah, take us at a time that you are pleased with us and we are pleased with you, Ya Allah, <coughs> Ya Allah, make our covers gardens of Jannah for us, Ya Allah. Grant us the shafat of Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Ya Allah, give us Jannatul Firdaus without any reckoning, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, give us Jannatul Firdaus without any reckoning, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, let us be in that condition, Ya Allah. That on the day of Qiyamah, Nabi Islam sees us, and he's happy to meet us, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, save us from being among those, Ya Allah. That will be chased away on that day, Ya Allah. There's nobody that will save us then, Ya Allah. 
ilahul alamin ya allah ala grand is the best of dunya and the best of akhirat ya allah ala all the good that rasulullah sallallahu alaihi begged for ala we also begging for all the good ya allah whatever nabi sallallahu alaihi sought refuge from ala you give us protection as well ya allah allahumma inna nas'aluka min khairi ma sa'alaka minhu nabiyyuka wa habibuka sayyiduna muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa na'udhu bika min sharri ma sta'adaka minhu nabiyyuka wa habibuka sayyiduna muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam anta almusta'an wa alayka albalagh wa la hawla wa la quwwata illa billahi alayhi وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه المعين والحمد لله